Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We welcome in our Richmond audience for the first time today, AM 910, FM 1051. We're Grant and Danny, and you are listening to The Fan. Thank you so much for making the show part of your day. We're going down to the Super Bowl. It's radio. We can do that. Hit up Radio Row. Talk to one of the... Top analytics minds in football, a guy whose work I've been reading for many, many years from Football Outsiders. He is uh, the founder of Football Outsiders. Aaron Schatz is on the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app. Visit BetQL.com. Aaron, you've been digging through this matchup for a couple of weeks now. Give us some of the areas where you think the game could be decided as the Chiefs get ready to take on the Eagles in Super Bowl 57. Well, one interesting stat about this game has to do with blitzes. For example, uh, you know, the legend is always don't blitz Patrick Mahomes. Just do not do it. And the last couple of years, in fact, he just destroyed blitzes. But it's interesting. In 2022, Mahomes was actually better against a four-man pass rush than he was against the blitz. Meanwhile, the Eagles' defense only allowed 4.4 yards per play when they were blitzing. Now, if you flip it around to the other side, same thing. Jalen Hurts was worse with a blitz than he was without a blitz, and the Chiefs' defense was better when blitzing. And we know that uh, Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator in Kansas City, likes his exotic blitz packages. The question is, does he trust those rookie cornerbacks to stay on an island against Jalen Hurts' great receivers, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith? Is there a set of personnel groupings that coaches might try to take advantage of in this game? No, nothing with a really big sample size that's interesting enough. It's, it's, I mean, there's a couple of, uh, you know, for example, Kansas City was really good in 13 personnel this year, uh, which is three tight ends on the field. Uh, that's often a really good uh, it's a really good personnel grouping to fool the other team because you bring three tight ends, you make it look like you're going to run, you play action, you pass downfield. But the Eagles were actually really good against that personnel grouping, but it was only in like 40 plays, so I don't really know how much we learned from that. That actually brings me to an interesting question because I read all of your uh, breakdowns and a lot of your previews, and you got your big Super Bowl uh, book coming out for this matchup, which I love. What qualifies for you as a worthy sample? Like, if you're saying that's not enough snaps, when do you start to care about a trend, and what's that line of demarcation, or is there one? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a gradual line of demarcation, but, you know, anything under like 100 snaps, is you probably aren't learning that much from it. So you probably need to get above 100 snaps before you feel like you're learning something. But, yeah, it's, it's tough because you're going to learn more from a multi-year trend, right? Like Mahomes being really good against the Blitz for four years. But there were things that were different about his offense this season than previous seasons, like he didn't have Tyreek Hill. So you ask yourself, well, suddenly he struggled against the Blitz a little bit. Maybe that's real. Maybe it has to do with losing Tyreek Hill, or maybe it's not real. Maybe it's just a small sample size. It's one of the tough things about doing football analytics. Football Outsiders Aaron Schatz with us here on Grant and Danny. To me, I know it's so cliche, and I know there's like a uh, a guy that loves the Oklahoma drill, the bull in the ring, that's going to be pumping his fist when I say this. But I really do believe the offensive and defensive line play are, are going to be what decides this game. Thinking about how good Philadelphia is in both those regards, and can Kansas City's offensive line hold up? And can that defensive line with Chris Jones and company wreak some havoc? I, I think that's where this game's going to be, Aaron. Give me your thoughts. Kansas City's offensive line is also very good. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're talking about the three best offensive lines in the game, you would probably put Kansas City in there along with Philadelphia. Really? They're the that Chiefs, good? The Chiefs? They're that good on the offensive line. Yeah, for example, Kansas City, not Philadelphia, actually led the NFL in ESPN's pass block win rate stat. Huh. And Creed Humphrey, Creed Humphrey, for example, is probably the second best center in the league behind Jason Kelsey of Philadelphia. The Kansas City defensive line is not as good <laughs> as the Philadelphia defensive line. The edge rushers, in particular, I mean, Chris Jones is very special. And Mike Dana had a really good game against Cincinnati in the AFC Championship game. But like the edge rushers, like that's where Philadelphia has a big advantage in this game is the edge rushers. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to be tough to get past Philadelphia the Philadelphia offensive line for those edge rushers, and they're going to be able to double-team Chris Jones probably and slow him down a bit. Aaron Schatz, Football Outsiders, legitimately created DVOA. Made it up. Kind of a cool thing. He just created it out of the blue, and now it is universally used in front offices all over the league. Uh, anecdotally, Nick Sirianni feels like one of the more aggressive coaches in the league. What do we know when we dive into the coaching matchup in terms of you know who gives their team the most opportunities to stay on the field? Yeah, you don't need anecdotally. I mean, actual number-wise, we have a stat called aggressiveness index, which looks at how often do coaches go for it on fourth down compared to the average coach in the league, right? Not compared to when they should, but when they actually do. And Nick Sirianni was number one this year. He was the most aggressive coach in the league when you compare him to his contemporaries, whereas Andy Reid was 22nd. So there's a big difference between these guys. And by the way, Kansas City was lousy in short yardage. Like, it was a real weakness for them. So it kind of makes some sense as to why Andy Reid was not as aggressive in short yardage situations because Kansas City was not good in those situations, either running the ball or passing the ball, which is a bit of a surprise. I've been calling Um, for quarterback sneaks as, like, a revolution for years and years because I've always felt like it was the most efficient kind of underused play in short yardage, and I know that the Eagles were the best at it this year. I wonder if the Chiefs don't do it a lot with Mahomes. They're worried or maybe weren't good at it. Maybe that's part of it. They're worried. Yeah, well, since he got injured on a quarterback sneak three, sneak three years ago, they don't. In fact, what they do when they want a quarterback sneak is they, they do a different player, like Blake Bell, who's a tight end who used to be a quarterback at Oklahoma. Like, Blake Bell will take the snap, and he'll sneak it instead of Patrick Mahomes. 
So, yeah, their reticence to use Mahomes on sneaks absolutely plays into their struggles in short yardage situations. Aaron, maybe putting you on the spot here for a second, but for a while, for a long time in Andy Reid's coaching career, that was a guy I didn't trust in terms of game management, clock management, timeouts, challenges, you know, sort of the full things of those kind of controllable moments uh, that a coach has. Scheme-wise, brilliant, genius, right? We, the offenses speak for themselves. I feel like he, he was always going to let the team down or be a net negative. I don't feel that way anymore. It may just be that the, the, the rinse clean of the Super Bowl kind of washing over him there, and he kind of maybe shed that previous rep that, that he had. How do you feel about him in that regard, and is that something that might rear its ugly head? Yeah, there's still some uh, analytics out there on timeouts that suggest that Reed that suggests that Reed wastes timeouts a little bit more than the average, and Sirianni wastes timeouts a little bit less than the average. But I would agree with you. It definitely the feel is definitely that Andy Reed has his head wrapped around clock management better now than when he was with Philadelphia. And look, the other thing about Andy Reed is. He's amazing at preparation and design and game planning. And having the extra week before the Super Bowl plays into that, right? Sirianni is going to be as good on fourth downs no matter how much prep time he has. But Reed is going to be better at game planning with that extra week. You know he's got this fantastic 28-4 and career record coming off a bye week, right? So there is an element where having that extra week before the Super Bowl looks like it helps Reed a little bit more than it helps Sirianni. They're two very good coaches, both very good coaches. But what it helps what Reed does well more than what Sirianni does well. DVOA, which I mentioned our guest Aaron created, is a way of kind of uh, ranking teams in efficiency that strips away a lot of what would have been like number biases. Um, where did these two teams end up ranking in the NFL this year? Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles were, I think, third and the Kansas City Chiefs were fourth but then if you include the playoffs and you wait more recent games more the Chiefs are third and the Eagles are fourth so they're very they're very close together the Eagles you have to kind of adjust a little bit in your mind because they had those two games with Gardner Minshew at quarterback and the interesting thing is they passed well in those two games right Minshew passed very well in week 16 against Dallas they did not run the ball as well because without Hurts to be a weapon in the running game and create, you know, he, the defense always has to account for the idea that he could run with the ball and it makes things a lot easier for the running back. Without Hurts, their running game was not as efficient as it usually is. So if you take out the two Minshew games, that boosts the Eagles up a little bit more. I got in an argument with um, an Eagles fan, a buddy of mine. I try not to have too many of them in my life, Aaron, but it, it just inevitably happened. Um, I was trying to make the point that the Eagles are the best team in the NFL, and they also had an easy schedule this year. Both are true, and yeah. he took it, of course, as a sign of disrespect, and you know, it nearly came to blows, and, and that was kind of the end of it. But I think that was true, right? Like They're really good, but they also had a pretty easy time of it. Yes, the Eagles had the easiest schedule in the league by our numbers. Now, part of that is there's a stat going around about how they were like 9-1 and one or something against teams with winning records. Well, that included the Giants, who our numbers thought were a below-average team despite their winning record. Three wins, three wins over the Giants. And it includes Minnesota, which our numbers thought were a below-average team despite a winning record. So if you look at their regular season schedule, they had the easiest schedule in the league. That being said, Kansas City had the fourth easiest schedule in the league. So it's not like 
Philadelphia spent the entire season stomping on cupcakes while Kansas City was playing Cincinnati every single week, right? Kansas City had a couple of harder games, but for the most part, their schedule was pretty easy too. Like both teams played against the AFC South. And I will also say that historically, teams with the easiest schedule in the league are three and three in the Super Bowl. Aaron Schatz, Football Outsiders on Grant and Danny. I believe you vote for All-Pro and MVP. That's the case, correct? Yes. Did, If you're willing to say, did you vote for Patrick Mahomes or do you think he will win? What I will tell you is that I voted for Patrick Mahomes as the number one quarterback in my All-Pro voting. And from that, you can guess as to what I did in my awards voting. Okay, gotcha. write that down. Do, do you anticipate, like, the, just now, aside from you being a voter, you being a football analyst, is there any way he wouldn't win the MVP? Is there even an argument against him at this point? No, because 49 of 50 voters voted for him as the first-team quarterback. And at this point, the first-team quarterback wins the MVP pretty much every year. Got it. So at this point, when the All-Pro team comes out, whoever's the first-team quarterback you can basically assume that guy won the MVP. Should a guy like Justin Jefferson, just as an example, or a, a dominant receiver or running back any year, ever have a true shot at the MVP over quarterbacks, in your opinion? I don't think so, unless they want to change the name of the award or they want to give us like voting outlines that say, consider positional value. Right, Quarterback is just... The quarterback plays so much of a role in how football works that the top 15 or 16 most valuable players in the league are quarterbacks. Now, we could do it differently, and we could say, who's the best player compared to the average at their position rather than who's the most valuable player? But if we did that, we should have voted for Justin Tucker as MVP a couple of years ago. So <laughs> right now I think it's basically a quarterback award. And there are other voters who I think think like me, and we now vote the offensive player of the year award as the best non-quarterback. And that's what Justin Jefferson is likely to win. Write me a script for both teams winning this game here. Start with Kansas City, then, then give me a Philadelphia script uh, for them to be champs. I, I mean, the Kansas City script is – Basically, Mahomes is Mahomes, and he's fully healthy, and he distributes the ball. And Travis Kelsey has a big game, even though the Eagles are very good against tight ends. The Eagles were sixth in DVOA against tight ends this year, and their linebackers are good in coverage. But they get the ball to Kelsey. They get the ball to the running backs underneath. They get the ball to the receivers. They distribute it all over the place. Chris Jones wreaks havoc even on double teams. He overpowers Jason Kelsey because as good as Kelsey is, he's a little undersized. And the Chiefs win probably in a close game. It's very unlikely, I think, that this thing is a blowout either way. So this is now putting you on the spot, non-Super Bowl, completely off your radar. But I'm just curious if if a smart football person has any thoughts on either of these two things. Uh, We have heard within the last hour from reporting around the country that, number one, Ron Rivera said on Radio Row that he's expected to have Sam Howell be the starting quarterback in Washington going into training camp next year, rather than maybe try to upgrade from him this offseason. So I'm curious if you have a thought on that. And then the other thing is Eric Bieniemy. If he does not get the head coaching job in Indianapolis, Adam Schefter saying he could be the favorite to be the OC either in Baltimore or here in Washington. And I'm curious if you have a Bieniemy thought as well. 
Well, let me take the enemy first. The enemy is the play caller in Kansas City. So even though he does, it's interesting that they would allow him to make what, what kind of looks like a lateral move. I guess his contract ends this year. So he could make a lateral move to another team as offensive coordinator. And I guess that does give him a little more freedom because it's like Reed is sort of the designer of the offense, even though he's the play caller, but he's great. So, I mean, I think the enemy would be a plus for either Baltimore or Washington. Um, I, you know, I don't really have an opinion of Sam Howell. My basic opinion is guys taken that late in the draft do not generally turn into star NFL quarterbacks. But Washington, unless they trade up, is not in position to take one of the four quarterbacks. There's four quarterbacks that are considered to be first-rounders this year, and we're not really big Will Levis believers. And Anthony Richardson is definitely going to take some development time, and I don't think Washington has what it would take to get up high enough to get Stroud or Young. So it's either get some veteran or give Howell a shot. Like at that point, you might as well give Howell a shot, but I'm not expecting a lot from him. Aaron, can I follow up? Why aren't you guys Will Levis uh, believers? I, I, it seems opinions vary on him pretty dramatically. Uh, Mike Tanier, who is more of our draft guy than I am and was at the Senior Bowl in Mobile looking at the quarterbacks down there, and he's watched a lot of Levis films. He feels like there's just like the accuracy isn't good. The decision-making isn't good. Like there'll be like one or two really good throws a game. And then a lot of just badness. Badness is uh, very familiar formal, with that. Yeah, we know term. that. We, we've got that covered here in Washington at that position for many, many years. Hey, Aaron, thank you. We really appreciate the insight. We know you're busy in Phoenix. We'll let you go. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. And I uh, hope everybody enjoys the game. We'll talk to you during the offseason. Thanks, Aaron. For more of Aaron's work, go to Football Outsiders. You can check him out there. I mean, that is a simplified way to look at Sam Howell as the guy, possibly, mm -hmm. which is to say that they are not going to be able to draft Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Will Levis is also going to be way off the board before they pick. Richardson is the one guy they might be able to draft at their spot, and I still think that's unlikely. I would say that's doubtful, too. Someone's going to move. But let's just pretend like he slides down the board more than people think. That is a project, okay? He is a guy that is going to take time, and the ceiling is great. Everyone loves the yeah, ceiling. Skill set's incredibly exciting. But remember the, the story, and I'm not comparing the two necessarily, but last year the story was Malik Willis, and this is a project. This is going to take time. And then he got thrust onto the field this year, and to say that it didn't go well is the understatement of the century. I mean, I don't know how anyone could watch Malik Willis this year and feel like he'll ever be a good NFL quarterback. But he sh we shouldn't have seen him yet is the point. So mm -hmm. it's not even fair to him that we did. But I guess what I'm saying is when you take a guy that needs a lot of time and this year's version would be Richardson, much better prospect in my opinion than Willis coming from the SEC. He is not a fit for what they're trying to accomplish in this staff. Like, for the fans that want Ron Rivera and the Martys to take Richardson, I couldn't agree with you less on that. It has nothing to do with my take on Richardson. It's that he's not going to start this year, or certainly not early this year, and then the next staff, very likely, is going to inherit this guy that this group, which hasn't been right on one quarterback so far, That's right. has chosen for the next staff. They may not want anything to do with him. I think that is the worst-case scenario. And he's the most likely of the QBs that you could draft staying put. So do we really think they're going to trade a ton to move all the way up? I don't think anyone thinks that. So now it's basically veteran or Sam Howe. Do you want to pay Jimmy Garoppolo almost $30 million? And that's how you work back kind of a End process up with the Sam of elimination yeah. to eh, maybe a year of Sam Howe in a potential lame duck season 
isn't the worst idea. I, I think it's very well put, Grant. I mean, if if you ignore context for for the sake of for just for the sake of the exercise, in a vacuum, a team that doesn't have a quarterback taking a guy with a very high ceiling that might take some time is very reasonable. That's a that's a nice thing to do in Anthony Richardson. But now you add in all the complicating factors. Potential sell the team, knock on wood. Ron Rivera entering year four of being in charge of anything and everything that has to do with the organization. Their previous track record. The mistake that we now are intimately aware of, of a new regime inheriting an old quarterback, please and no thank you. I like Richardson, but I'm with you. It's going to take some time. There's a skill set there that is really, really intriguing and exciting, and I hope he goes to a good spot. But this wouldn't be that good fit. And I'm with you if you start eliminating things. like That's really what this is, is you start – Crossing things off. Do I want leftover trash from somebody else, a, a veteran with a, a mediocre track record that his current team gave up on? No, never again. Do I want him to do someone that the next regime is going to inherit and probably uh, stunt his growth? No. You know who, who that leaves? Sam Howell. That's the math. Adam Schefter says look out for Eric Bieniemy as an offensive coordinator in D.C. or Baltimore. Let's get into that next on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 